Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, July 17, 2019, and we're, what, in the third week of July? And there are lots of variables at play in the markets these days. Now, of course, we're the biggest one right now is earnings, where earnings are coming out fast and furious, and that's the biggest thing, pushing stocks up around, up and down. So you're going to need unbiased guidance, that's for sure, with all this stuff moving about. And that's fine because you come to the right place for that here on Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I do hope you'll call and ask any financial questions that come to your mind or anything to do with uh, the stock market, insurance, IRAs, 401ks, you know, anything financial, we'll talk about it. I'm not sure if I have the answer, but I'll certainly talk about it. And of course, you drive the show in the direction you want it to go with your questions. So you just tell me. The only guidance I have is make sure it's financial. Our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve financial freedom. We state it almost every day. Or we do state it every day. And that means we want you to have a better retirement. And to do that, we need not only save our money, but invest it properly. And that's what I'm hoping to help you with. I really am. Now, today at this hour, I'm going to do my best to move you along that path to financial freedom. And and that, again, it all depends on what your questions are, where we go. If you do not have any questions, that's okay. I know what I'm going to talk about. I have things ready to go. And just for you people, remember, our, to ask your questions, you can call right now. 888-99-CHART is our number. We're live 4 to 5 Pacific time every Monday through Friday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. And I was just going to say, if you live in New York area, please stay tuned. I've got news for you coming up in a few minutes. New York, New York City. I, you know, that's where I started my career, you know. Manhattan. Used to come up uh, from the path tubes from New Jersey under the Hudson River. Come up, I walk across, I come up in the World Trade Center when the World Trade Center existed. And then I'd walk across town to uh, William Street, near Wall Street, and I worked in uh, an office building there in the lower Manhattan. I did that for several years out of college. I graduated college here on the West Coast, but my first real job was in Wall Street. It's kind of interesting, a very interesting change because I was a California boy. (laughs) Very different being in New York. Anyways, I enjoyed it a lot, really. did. My main talking point today, a strategist says that the market is too dovish on the Fed policy, and this will lead to as much as a 15% correction. And of course, I'll talk about that in detail and break it down for you. What does he mean, too dovish on Fed policy? We'll talk about that. Also, why, is the Fed, why does the Fed feel the needs to cut rates? Why does it feel that it needs to do that? This is a Morgan Stanley says, uh, uh, well, well, I'll get into that too. 
Uh, housing starts fell today. This is June, fell. But housing permits fell a lot more. Does that spell any a disaster for housing? What, what, is, what does that tell us? And then also from the Fed, the Beige Book came out. The Beige Book. Remember, the Federal Reserve has nine districts, and uh, every six weeks or so, they report on the conditions in their district. Okay, all nine of them, and they combine that report into what we call the Beige Book. So what did it come, and this one spans from mid-May to early July. So what did it say? We'll talk about that too. Those are things I'm going to talk about. But, of course, you drive the show wherever with your questions, so please ask them. The market was down again, 116 points on the Dow, down 38 points on the NASDAQ, and 20 points on the S&P. Now, do you remember me telling you last Friday that the market is probably going to give back some of the gains it had that last week? Remember, last week's gains were caused mostly by the Federal Reserve hinting that they were going to lower Chairman Powell that they were going to lower interest rates at the Fed meeting at the end of the month. The market liked that. And I suggested that the market's likely to give that back because the market's going to focus on earnings this week. And the earnings are going to be, there are going to be some good ones, there are going to be some bad ones, but overall they're not going to be that great. And so far, knock on wood, that's what's happened. Maybe I'll be wrong because we still have you know, Thursday and Friday to go here. We'll see. But it's not down that much. It's just down all three days this week. But not much. Really not. Really isn't. So nothing to really worry about at this point. So that's what happened. Now, that's what I have planned to talk about. But now let's take a question from our Italian listener line number, 888-99-CHART. Hi, um, short-time listener. I'm wondering what the best practices of when to sell a stock. I've got some stock I've had for a little bit. It's done well and just don't really know what the guideline or what the best time to sell is. Thanks. Well, welcome to uh, everybody's life. That's not, you know, you, you think it's a simple question. It is really not. It's a very difficult question to answer. It is. I have answers, but... You know, they're not perfect. For instance, you sell when the mar- when the stock is way overpriced. You cut back. When you think it's way overpriced, you sell it. Well, what's overpriced, right? I mean, how do you know that? See, it's not easy. You sell when uh, a fundamental change in the company that isn't the, the same direction that you thought it was going to. You sell because competitors are coming in and causing the company's profit margins to start to squeeze. Good example of that, let's say you own Macy's, and I've been saying for years now, time to get out of the big box stores because of Amazon. So you sell because the competitor Amazon is cutting into tremendously into big box stores, Macy's being one of them. You see, it doesn't mean Macy's going out of business, but see, that's what I mean. You sell if you're a chartist, you sell when the chart indicates the stock is in a downward trend and it's going to continue that way. Well, when is that? How do I know that? You see what I mean? It's not that simple. It's just not. But those are some of the reasons why you sell. Okay? Good question, but kind of difficult to answer. It's a lifelong learning process of knowing when to sell. 
win the sell. Just the way it is. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Pisa, and you and I both know that no one can really predict, at least accurately, where the market's going to go. Up, down, side, but no one really can predict it. it. There's no crystal ball. That means you've got to be prepared to handle volatility. And you can help yourself by balancing your portfolio, by understanding how to balance your portfolio. So maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it's time to balance. I have already planned two trips for portfolio reviews consultations on one on July 31st, and I'm going to be returning to San Jose that day, July 31st. Now, I don't have, I think I have one, maybe one, I think one slot left. So if you're interested in meeting me, time to, time to, time to be, time to, time to be there. Also, September 19th, a Thursday, I will be in New York and reserving time to meet people in and clients and listeners in New York City, in Manhattan. I already have one appointment set up and I haven't even announced it. This is my first announcement of the day, of the specific day I'm going to be there. So tell your investor friends about my no-cost portfolio consultations and register at investtalk.com. Send me an email. Let me know you want an appointment and we'll contact you and set up a time. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. We are already into the third week of July, and you are very likely hard at work and also focusing on your goal of achieving financial freedom. So you've come to the right place, Invest Talk, where you can get timely investment information and unbiased guidance. Steve Peasley is here now, and the phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's take a quick look at some of the numbers today. The 10-year Treasury yield up to 2.13%. Then it fell back off of that number, by the way, to 2.09%. So just a tad over 2%. Okay, and what's a two-year Treasury? See, it's it's, it's still under 2%. But they've been squeezing together, and that's a dangerous sign. When they flip... When the two-year Treasury yield is higher than the 10-year, that's called an inverted yield curve. And that means it always has meant in the past that we're in or going into a recession. Gold was at $1,411 an ounce. Pretty good. Oil at $58 a barrel. Gasoline at $279 nationwide on average. Of course, not here in California. And Bitcoin's given up some of its gain down today nine, to 9,671. Stay away from Bitcoin, everybody, as an investment. Don't, don't even think about it. It's too difficult, too volatile. You don't know how to price it. No one does. It just can go wherever it wants to go. Stay away from it. And you know we've had Amazon Prime Days, 2019 Prime Days, the big event, the and they say, Amazon says, that uh, they surpassed Black Friday and Cyber Monday's, Black Friday is the day after Thanksgiving and then mo- Monday after that. Uh, those, the, the Amazon Prime Day surpassed those two big sale days. They sold 175 million items. They never tell you how much, how much in dollars, though. They tell you how many items they sold. 175 million. And apparently, Amazon's Prime Days helped a lot of other retailers online shopping. 
On Monday, the first day of the Amazon 48-hour shopping extravaganza this year, retailers that make more than a billion dollars in annual revenue saw a 64% increase in their digital sales compared with the average Monday. So it helped other retailers. Amazon Prime Days helped other big retailers. This is according to Adobe Analytics, by the way. And that's up 54% from a year ago. Pretty good. Smaller retailers, which Adobe classifies as those bringing in less than $5 million in annual sales, saw a 30% increase in their online sales of money. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Amazon, man, Amazon's like, I don't know, like King Kong. It's the, it's the, the big gorilla in the room, right? I mean, you do what Amazon says you do. Everybody else follows Amazon's lead, pretty much. Now, let's talk about restaurants for a minute. Spending in restaurants on an annualized basis rose 11%. Sorry, that was me. Rose 11%. And who is the big winner? McDonald's and Chipotle. McDonald's and Chipotle. Now, you do know that McDonald's started Chipotle and then spun it off, right? And McDonald's still owns a good chunk of Chipotle. McDonald's, symbol MCD, that's their symbol, uh, said yesterday that it would be teaming up with food delivery startup DoorDash. Uh, this is the first deal for the fast food giant since it was, you know, in, since it was ending its Uber Eats agreement. DoorDash is now going to be, DoorDash is based in San Francisco, by the way. Uh, and recently, I pay, paced Grubhub to become the largest food delivery service in America. DoorDash is. So you got. What? Uber Eats, Grubhub, and DoorDash. Big three big ones, all delivering food. And surprise, Chipotle is trading at a near all-time high, $760 per share. Remember their big problems they had? That's up 75% this year all by itself. I guess that E. coli problem is behind them. Let's hope so anyways. Anyways, there's some news. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Pisa, and if you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you have heard me say that I believe every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance. How much risk do you want to take? How much risk can you handle before you panic and get that fear of greed take over? You need to define your comfort zone. And it's easy, you can do it. Go to you go to our risk tolerance anytime free online tool on investtalk.com. It's called Riskalyze. Just has a few questions. Get a score. But now I'm ready to take your questions. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Good morning, Steve and Justin. This is Bob from Sunnyvale. Wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Micron Technology, MU. The stock's been going up for the last few days. Just waiting for some pullback, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's happening. Wanted to see if uh, this would be a good time to make an entry or wait for the pullback. Thank you. 
Okay, I, I don't know, a few weeks ago, a month ago or so, I said I think that the uh, the, uh, the the chip stocks, Micron Technologies is a chip stock, symbol MU, makes DRAM uh, and uh, flash memory and image centers and for computer servers and consumer electronics. So it makes chips. And I felt that it was near its bottom. And Amazon, I mean, the Micron apparently did bounce from that bottom. It bottomed right around $32, $33. And the, the, the bottom uh, in December, around 30 And then that bottomed again, rose from that, went up to 40, low 40s. Then f- fell back down to 32 33 in June. Um, and then, because remember, May was all down for everything almost. And then it went sideways for all the whole month of June. And now it's been making a recovery. Now it's at 43 again, right? You know, that seems to be where the uh, the, the uh, resistance come in. I think it's got, uh, I think it might have more legs to go. But it's one of those stocks, six chip stocks are very cyclical, okay? Uh, sales are falling 21% last quarter, 39% this quarter. Uh, earnings went from eleven dollars in two thousand eighteen. That's going to go to six dollars this year, and then two fifty next year. So you know it's a four to three dollar stock. So you can see how volatile their earnings and sales can be. So question is, I, I would still wait for a pullback. I would, as I think the whole market's going to pull back at some point, and Micron will t- pull back with it. I would not be in a big rush to get into it. I really wouldn't. Mu is a simple. My main talking point today concerns this claim. A strategist says the market is too dovish on Fed policy, and this will lead to as much as a 15% correction. Okay. Is he correct? Is that true? He doesn't know. But, you know, that you want to listen to what the smart people have to say. So the consensus estimate is for a quarter point cut at the end of the month from the Federal Reserve. Okay. Everybody knows that. The market knows that. But is it just going to be one cut and be done? If it is, this is what he's saying. If it is, and it might be because the economy is not that bad, it's pretty decent. So why? There's no inflation. So he is saying that the market expects more than one cut. And if they don't get it, that's when they're going to get the, the, the pullback. That's what he's saying. So is that going to, remember the Fed chairman is in a two two day congressional testimony hearings right now, so that's what his issue is. The market expects more more, not just one and be done. They expect it to be, and just for you know, the history has pointed out that the reason why the market expects more because historically they cut four times in a row when they change direction or they increase four times in a row. Any direction change, up or down, it's four four moves in a row, usually. So they're expecting more cuts. But the economic reality, and I'm going to talk about the base book, kind of supports that they shouldn't have more cuts. Now, personally, if you remember right, last December, I said that they shouldn't be raising rates in December, and that's the last time they raised it, last December. So left it alone. Now, should they cut it? I think they should, simply because the market expects it. If they don't, the market's going to ha- collapse. I mean, it's going to have 15% correction easy. Um, and I'm not worried about the stock market itself. I'm more worried about the entire economy because 
stock market reflects what the yeah the stock market leads the economy may follow it down if the stock market remember what drives stock market consumer spending what drives consumer spending feeling good about their investments the price of their house their job when those things start to show weakness or they're shaking and think about all the 401ks out there if the market crashed how much would they lose would consumers stop spending or slow down their spending? And would that not affect the economy? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy there. See, that's that's what I worry about. Not that the market goes down. Market goes, markets go up and down. But I'm worried about the after effects of that. So, interesting stuff. 888.99 chart. Again, the market was down 116 points today, 38 for the Dow, 38 on the NASDAQ, and 20 on the S&P. So the question is, are we going to have weaker, weaker um, last two days? And I think that's going to be up to the earnings, you know, announcements of earnings. I think everything is up to the earnings at this point. Um, I don't think we're going to have any significant progress on the trade dispute. I, I don't see that happening. Just don't. I just don't see it. Got a quiz question before the break. On tomorrow's Invest Talk, Walmart admits the company has been playing catch up in e-commerce. And that's going to be the big story tomorrow. So let's 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 we, we always have a little trivia question. I've been I've been kind of liking this. What was the original name for the company that eventually became PayPal? What was their original name? And in which year was it founded? I'm gonna have that answer for you right after the break. But for now, I'm Steve Pisa. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they describe their services as independent thinking, shared success. And this philosophy is why KPP Financial can be of great value to investors. KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are committed to unbiased guidance. They don't upsell clients into expensive and questionable investments. Instead, Steve and Justin provide honest opinions and proven strategies based on the individual's current portfolio and risk tolerance. Working with KPP Financial, you can be assured of consistent dedication toward the goal of helping you achieve financial freedom. You can get things started with a phone call or a simple message through investtalk.com. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. We've seen new highs in the markets, but that could change. This is InvestTalk. And now, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance. So Steve Peasley is returning to San Jose, California on July 31st. Then, on September 19th, Steve will be in New York City to conduct his no-cost, personalized portfolio reviews. If you live anywhere in the New York area, mark September 19th on your calendar and register early at investtalk.com. But for now, Steve Peasley is here taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, remember our number, 888-99-CHART. That's our number. You can ask any questions you want as long as they're financial. And before the break, I asked a question. What was the original name for the company that eventually became known as PayPal? 
And in which year was it founded? Okay, the company that eventually became PayPal was originally established in December of 1998 as Confinity. Confinity. It developed security software for handheld devices. Subsequently, in 1999, PayPal was developed and launched as a money transfer service at Confinity. Then in March of 2000, Confinity merged with X.com, an online banking company founded by, guess who? Elon Musk. As of 2018, PayPal had 21,800 employees and a net operating income of $2.057 billion. And now PayPal is owned by eBay eBay owned PayPal. You know, I remember talking to a, one of my relatives way back in the late 1990s, and they were really concerned that all the jobs are going to disappear with all this new, fangled, fast internet, and pretty soon there won't be any jobs for anybody. And I said, don't worry about it. Our economy has always produced many new jobs, and the new stuff is going to have lots of jobs. And here's PayPal. They have 21,000 employees from zero in, what, 1998 to 21,800 today. That's how it works. That's how our free economic system works. We're going to talk to Tim in the Bay Area. He wants to buy a home or is buying a home. How's it going, Tim? Good. How are you, Steve? Thank you for taking my call. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Hey, um, I'm wondering if I'm a buyer of a home, you recommend mm-hmm. using the same agent as the seller or using uh, my own agent? Well, I don't know if it really matters per se. Um, you, everybody thinks that when they hire a, a real estate agent that he's on your side. And I won't say he's not on your side. He's not on, he is on your side, but he's also on his own side because he needs to make this deal happen. Okay, so he wants to make you happy, but he's really interested in making the deal happen so he can get paid. So I think no matter what side, if he's a buyer's, uh, buyer's agent, seller's agent, or they're both, the, he, that's his job. Your job is to make sure you get a good deal. Okay, and you want, don't rely on your agent just to tell you what the house is worth. You want to see comps. You know what comps are? Comparisons? Yeah. Houses in the yep. same. Yes, you want to you want to see the comps. You don't want to take his word for it. And no matter what he says, well, what's the comps? What are they? You know, luckily the bank will will require comps too. You know, real estate appraisal. But you probably need to see them before you actually buy the house. Make sure you're in the right ballpark. So I don't think it really matters. I don't think it's going to hurt you. But you have to watch out for yourself, no matter what. Good luck, Tim. I hope the house works out for you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope I, you are making the right choices. It's difficult sometimes, and of course, in your 401k, it's difficult uh, because I saw one this morning, and I looked at all the whole, all the, all the, uh, all the different choices of mutual funds, and I comes down to he has really, even though he had like 12 mutual funds, he only had two or three in different parts of the market. He really didn't have the choices that it looked like he had because. They had duplicate big cap growth funds. They had duplicate, you know, they had duplicates of same thing. Duplicate international funds. They're, they're different names, different companies, but they did the same thing. So you're, that's not variety of choice, really isn't. I didn't think. So that's what happens. 
you know, so you had to figure all this out. So I was figuring it out, for, trying to help him out. So we do have a, a, a program called Active401k that does this for you. It's a math-based model. That's what it uses, math-based model to guide you in and out of or around your 401k holdings. Okay, it is it, a pretty neat little tool, I think, called Active401k. If you're interested in it, Take a look at it at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live. You can call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Steve is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now. 88899 chart. Okay, let's go to Nick in Fremont. How you doing, Nick? Hi, uh, hi Steve. How are you? I'm good, and I thank you for the call. You want to talk about uh, Whiting Petroleum Corporation? Yeah, and and SM um, as well. So the symbol is WLL, and you want to talk about something else? And SM. Okay. Okay. But yeah, your first. So both, both are energy, energy, energy stocks. Um, okay. So I'm like 30% okay, let's down talk about... on both. And I'm wondering if there's okay, a bottom in sight or what do you advise at this point? Should, should I just retain them or take a loss? Um, uh, because okay. I see that other uh, energy stocks like APC and all, they're still very up. But still, these companies are going down. So I don't know if it's a problem with the sector or specifically with these companies. Well, it's in Whiting's case, it's Whiting's problem because their sales in the most recent quarter that they just released fell 24 percent. Okay, before that, the, before the quarter it was flat. Before that, they were growing 60, 70 percent. So here, all of a sudden, this quarter they fell, sales fell 24 percent, and that disturbed a lot of investors, okay? So the stock made a new 52-week low today. Whiting Petroleum, WLL is a symbol, engaged in exploration, production, oil and gas, primarily in the Permian, Brasian, and Rocky Mountains area. Uh, they're going to make $0.99 cents this year when they made $2.40 last year. That's not good. Now, next year, it's supposed to go up uh, to $1.51 a share, Supposed to have a very big rebound next year in earnings. Well, that means that the PE is around 10, and that makes it a fairly reasonably priced stock. Okay, but I, I think that you're dealing with is, you know, a sales drop, and I don't know, I want to know why that happened. That you need to find out what happened. Uh, I see that they named a new chief financial officer, that never helps. So somebody didn't care, you know, so, you know, whenever you have changes like that, that means something was wrong. Uh, I, I probably, myself, I would find something better. 
I take my money and go find something better. I don't like that today it reached a new 52-week low and it's been falling three days sharply in a row. And I'm just not comfortable with owning it at this point. I would not be. Nick, call tomorrow and I'll answer the next question on the other stock. Appreciate it, though. Thank you for calling. Okay. Why does the Fed feel why does the Fed feel it needs to cut rates? Remember, if it doesn't cut rates, the whole market is expecting at least a quarter point, right? I mean, that's what they're expecting in July. But Morgan Stanley says the Fed repeated reference to the global economy is the reason. Not because of our economy or anything going on here in the United States, but the global economy is weakening and they're more worried about the global economy. Our investors here in the United States are not concerned with the global economy at all. Now, he said this specifically yesterday in Paris in a speech. He, he was talking about how the what about talking about the interconnectedness of the world economy and globally things are not looking so good. He also said the U.S. Uh, international trade share of the GDP in the U.S. The international trade share when we trade internationally represents about thirty percent of our GDP. At least it did in two thousand eighteen, and that's from ten percent in nineteen eighty. So that's why. He's saying the Fed should be worried about the global economy because it affects directly our economy. That's why he may be lowering interest rates. Not necessarily because he's worried about our economy, but he is worried through the global economy. And that's interesting, I thought. And it's probably true. Probably. We don't know for sure, but it probably is. Okay, we have a caller question that came in earlier. The topic concerns Amazon, an appropriate topic today, right? Because of their their Amazon days. And here's the question. Hey, Stephen, Justin. Love listening to you guys every morning. Quick question for you. So I've been in, uh, invested in Amazon. Just I have a bigger portfolio, but specifically on this single stock. So I've been investing with Amazon. I bought around, bulk of my shares a year ago, around $800. So I've already doubled my profit at this point. So my in total investment in Amazon right now is worth twenty four thousand. I'm at twelve thousand profit. And I was wondering, do I want to um, put stop losses in in that to you know to prevent a downward spiral if the market takes a wrong turn and re and and uh, you know reap some of those profits? Only cat shy. Why I don't really want to do that is because in Maryland. They have like taxes and state taxes and local taxes, and I was wondering if those types of taxes would eat into my capital gains profits as well. Anyway, just wanted to put that out there if you want to comment on. All right, have a good one. Bye. Well, I'm not sure if they, uh, Amazon, uh, if Maryland, the state of Maryland, has different taxes on capital gains. Uh, capital gains rate of federal tax capital gains rate is twenty percent. Um, I don't know, uh, long, for long-term holds, and that's 12 months or longer. Shorter than 12 months, is uh, the tax rate is at your ordinary income tax rate for the gain. Uh, Amazon, uh, you mentioned the actual numbers and profits, and to be honest, that doesn't really matter. What matters is how big is it of your portfolio? Does it dominate your portfolio? Should you rebalance it and cut it back because it dominates you know, because you should have a group of stocks, 15 to 25, more like 20, 25 than 15, and different sectors. See, it's a manage, you're managing a portfolio. You're not managing a stock. 
Amazon is one of those blue chip long-term holders. You should hold on to it forever and just, you know, use balancing techniques and rebalancing the portfolio. But you never want to start to dominate completely your portfolio. So I don't know if your 20-something thousand in Amazon is 5% of your portfolio, 30% of your portfolio. I don't, you didn't mention how big it is of your portfolio. If it's more than 10%, you need to cut it back. I like the, I like the, when I make an initial buy, it's usually 3% um, of my portfolio. That's a normal buy. I'll go up to five, but that's unusual. When it gets up to 10, you start to cut back and rebalance. So that's what would be my suggestion. To, yeah, so it's not quite what you asked for in the answer, but if it's too big, cut it back. Okay, housing starts report came out today. And when the housing starts come out, that's really not the most interesting part of that report. Housing starts. How many houses were started to be constructed? What's the interesting part is how many new permits were issued to build future housing. Housing starts fell in June. Now, it didn't fall greatly, but it did fall. What was interesting is permits fell 6%, and that's a pretty steep fall. Pretty steep fall. Now, even though the housing starts fell, it was mostly, it was confined to apartment buildings because single-family housing starts rose 3.5%. So, it was apartment buildings, apartment homes that fell and new starts. But it's the permits that tell us about the future. That's a leading economic indicator. That's the one you want to pay attention to. Always watch your leading economic indicators. And this is telling us that we're going to have a softening housing market going through the rest of the summer and into the fall. A softening market. Not anything disastrous. Why is it softening? Well, one reason is the prices are really high. Right? Prices are super high. People can't afford it. You're, you're pricing yourself out of, you know, some of the people that can qualify and they can't. It's too expensive. They can't qualify for the loan and justify their, you know, getting that mortgage. And hopefully, banks won't go crazy and start doing what they did in 2008, start loaning money to, to anybody who can breathe without the ability to repay the loan. I don't think we'll fall back in that mess. That's not what we're doing, so I don't see it anywhere. Mortgage rates are very low. You would think that maybe housing would pick up, but it's offset by higher prices in the homes. So you got, you know, it is what it is. Now, is legendary computer giant IBM forever done with the best part of its movie? You have to move. You have to wonder. IBM, trading at about $143, has spent more than $85 billion on buybacks over the last 10 years. Its revenue has been falling for 22 straight quarters. 22 straight quarters? That's a lot. IBM has paid $34 billion for the acquisition of Red Hat software, and some people, some analysts, think that that was way too much. I'm, I'm in that camp, by the way. And so far, it doesn't look like IBM's management is being brought to answer for this poor performance. I don't know why not. They should be. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. 888-99-CHART is our number. On 
the next Invest Talk, Walmart admits the company has been playing catch-up in e-commerce. And their CEO says retail has now evolved into an omni-channel world. That story tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Damon Hatchley. I was wondering what your opinion is on Aurora Cannabis, ticker symbol ACB. Good, bad, what's your opinion? I do buy. Okay, Aurora Cannabis. Uh, it is the symbol is ACB, ACB, Canadian-based company engaged in the production of distribution of medical cannabis. I do think there's going to be some big winners in this area. It's going to consolidate because there's so many of these out there, and many of them are fly-by-night, these these marijuana companies. But I think Aurora has a really good shot of being one of the winners. It's engaged in the production and distribution of medical cannabis, okay? Uh, the problem is they don't make money. You know how I feel about that. They haven't made money. Uh, they made money in one year, 2018. They made 15 cents a share. This year, they're going to lose 26 cents a share. Next year, they're going to lose 6 cents a share. But sales are growing by 300% in the last couple of quarters, 200% plus in the quarters before that. So the sales are really doing very, very well. I think this might be one of the ones that will be a winner. It's $7.41. It's very expensive. We're not making any money. But it could be one of the winners. Just don't expose a lot of money. The bad thing I don't like about a return on equity is only 8, 8%, which is very, very low. Good thing is they don't have very much debt. Bad thing, they don't have, management owns hardly any shares. I don't understand that at all. It's a $7 billion company, by the way. They're only doing $65 million in sales last quarter, and that's really low. It's expensive on a price-to-sales basis. But I think it could be the one of the winners eventually. You're going to have to be patient. And, of course, it, you know, it's not making money. That's always a danger sign, and I don't invest stocks that don't make money. 888-99 chart, the Fed Base Book came out. Fed Base Book is a look at the nine districts in the Federal Reserve, or the 12 districts in the Federal Reserve. So 12 districts? I think it's 12. And each of the Federal Reserve uh, president in those districts report on the economy in their area. And this is uh, this was a look from the mid-May to early July, and it was it was exact almost exactly the same as the previous report, which quoted modest pace of economic growth. So that's what we're looking at. There's modest pace of economic growth. There's no inflation. We have a modest pace of economic growth. So the Federal Reserve should not be raising interest rates based on that. Or lowering interest rate, I'm sorry. Lowering interest rate based on that. There's no reason. Except, as I said before, Powell was worried about the world economy, not just ours. And that's why they will be lowering rates. Or at least that's why they say they might be lowering rates, because of the world economy. And the world economy is still growing, but growing less and less. So is it, are we going to, certain parts of the world will be following recessions? Uh, I don't know if we'll follow that path. I don't think we might. I don't think, I think we might escape it. It's possible. Uh, a year plus, year and a half ago, I said we would be in, possibly in a recession late this year, early next year, and maybe I'm going to be wrong. It's very possible too. It's almost impossible to predict those kinds of things, and I always say that. But I will do some prediction because people want it. 
Anyways. Uh, Peter Thiel is a name well known to tech investors. Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel is an American entrepreneur, a billionaire venture capitalist, philanthropist, political activist, and author. He is a co-founder of PayPal. And Thiel has now openly voiced serious and provocative questions about the integrity of Google. So, I don't know if it's self-survey or not. Speaking Sunday night in Washington, D.C., Thiel called the FBI and CIA to, he called for the FBI and CIA to investigate Google. And he, quote, seemingly treasonous ties with China. Till was apparently referring to Google's decision last year not to renew a project with the Defense Department while it continues to work on uh, artificial intelligence, intelligent tools for the Chinese government. Uh, it's a little far-fetched, don't you think? You think pay, uh, Google is uh, an agent of China in some way? don't know. I think it might be more self-serving. We'll see. We don't know, but it, it feels like it. feels like it to me. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program, and I thank you for your loyal support and questions. I'll be back Friday with highlights of the KPP Premium Newsletter, and tell your investor friends I'm returning to San Jose on July 31st, and I will be meeting with listeners on September 19th in New York City. So tell them. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1 800 557 5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24 hour listening line at 888 99 Chart.